Father, that we choose to believe that. We see by the examples of your word that you never fail. Then we choose to believe that, Father. Father, you'll come through in every circumstance, every situation. And so, Father, we have no fear in the midst of difficulty and circumstances, Father. Because you will never fail us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us, Father. So, Father, we thank you that we can live in victory and the blessings of the Lord, Father. Father, we thank you for these things. We thank you, Father, that you are the God who never fails. We choose to believe that, Father. So, Father, we thank you. And we give you all praise and honor for these things, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. We appreciate that. Amen. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, uh, we was watching a show yesterday. They were talking about the Lord, and uh, they were saying that the Lord will uh, allow us to be hungry and then feed us. I think that's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard, right? Because... Jesus told us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, I know your kids come sometimes coming, you know, they, they haven't eaten in like 30 minutes, you know, I'm starving. Well, they're not really starving, right? Even if you went all day long, you're not really starving. You might be hungry, but you're not starving, right? You're not going to go, you're not really going hungry. Um, and so why would Jesus tell us to give us this day our daily bread and the Lord and the Father in heaven say, no. I mean, that's the only way that would work, right? Give us, this daily bread, give us this day our daily bread. That's what Jesus told us to pray. And the Father's response is, no, I ain't doing it. Well, I mean, would the Father do that? If the Lord Jesus told us to pray that way? Why would he tell us to pray that way if the answer is going to be no? Uh, and so, uh, but how much of the church believes that God is doing things like that? That he's letting you go hungry, and then he's going to feed you. He's letting you get sick, and then he's going to heal you. He's letting you get harmed, and then he's going to uh, deliver you. I mean, it's just crazy talk. I just, I just, for the life of me, I, I cannot understand why people do that. I, I mean, one, one part of the understanding why they do that, of course, is these things happen. Right? Do people go hungry? People go hungry every day. Do people get harmed? They do every day. Do, do people get sick? Every day. And our weak uh, uh, attempt to explain that is it must be the will of God. That's, that's, that's terrible uh, doctrine to look at that situation and all we can come up with is it, it must be God's will because it surely cannot be anything I've ever done I mean I have lived a perfect and holy life without failing at all right and so surely it's nothing I've done and yet throughout the scriptures uh, how, how much sickness and disease or destruction or fail, failure occurred in the nation of Israel when they walked in the perfect will of God zero I mean, when, they, when they're walking, walking the perfect will of God, uh, if one man died in a war, they'd be like, hey, no, Lord, what's up? We can't have this. No, we, we expect zero fatalities, zero. And war, zero fatalities. There's no other war outside of the nation of Israel where the expectation is zero fatalities, none. Every war that's ever occurred outside the nation of Israel is, well, we're going to have some losses. Our goal is just to have fewer losses than the enemy. But Israel had the expectation that when, when we are in the perfect will of God, we expect zero fatalities, zero. So the only time there was ever any difficulty in Israel when they were outside the will of God. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that everybody that, that has failings is outside the will of God in that sense. But, I mean, in one sense they are, but, you know, it's not, that, it's not like it, it's, it's an, an, even an intentional sin sometimes. If you choose not to believe the word of God, I mean, that's sin in one sense, you can make that case, but if you just choose not to believe the will of God or you're not reading the word of God or you're not being taught the word of God and you don't know that God's your healer, for example, I mean, there are churches who they never teach that God's your healer. In fact, in some churches, now some churches are aggressive. God's not your healer. He's going he's gonna to kill you. He might, he might, he might uh, heal you, but pretty sure he's going to make you sick. He might heal you. you know, he will make you sick, but he might heal you, which is just really bad doctrine. But a lot of churches, just, they won't even mention it because it's controversial in their minds, and so they leave it alone. So the people in the, in the, under that ministry, uh, they will never develop the faith of healing. And so when sickness comes, what's their response? 
well, I, you know, if it's God, if it's your will, then heal me, right? Maybe, that, maybe they'll come up with that if they even come up with that part. And so they may not be in sin in that regard, that it, but, you know, life happens, right? Remember we read this morning uh, about when Jesus was saying, when the storms come, when the winds blow, when, when the streams flood, uh, he didn't say that we would be exempt from those things. Uh, and so they, they will come, amen? And our response is, what do we do when it happens? Amen. Uh, now, much of the church believes, well, if the storms come, God allowed it to come. There is sin in the world. This world has been touched by sin. It, it's, out of, it's out of balance. It's out of order. And that's why uh, we're going to get, someday we'll get a new heaven and a new earth because it's been touched by sin. There are things out of balance in the, in the earth. It will remain out of balance until the Lord Jesus comes and replaces it. And in, in between now and then, our responsibility is to use our faith to put them back into balance as far as our lives are concerned. Amen. We can't fix everybody, everybody else's out of balance earth in their environment uh, because we don't have authority over them. Amen. Somebody on the backside of the earth, I don't know them. I don't have any authority in their life. But as far as my life, I have the right and the privilege, according to the word of God, to put things into order as it relates to me. Remember, Jesus calmed the storm. Amen. How many times did he calm the storm? Well, we've got a couple of stories where he calmed the storm. He didn't calm all the storms. He calmed the storms that were in, in relation to his uh, environment, where he was at. He didn't calm all the storms for all time in the Sea of Galilee. He calmed the storm when he was in the boat and going the other side. And, and he only did that in one time for the benefit of the, of the apostles. He, he didn't do it for his benefit. He was fine. He was asleep. And so sometimes he'll even do things for our benefit just because he cares about us. And so the Lord is not making you hungry so he, he can then feed you. He would have to violate his word and, and say no to the, to the request to give us this day our daily bread and, and say no to that and then later on change his mind and say, okay, I'm going to give it to you now. What, does the Lord change? So it's just, it's such poor doctrine. Yeah, and, it, and it's such a, you know, it's almost like some people, they, they want to believe God, but then they got to temper their, their, what they would think, radical faith with some realism. Well, I'm going to believe God for, to be fed all the time. But you know, sometimes he wants to be hungry. We can't be radical and believe that God wants you to provide for you all the time, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but and it, to me, it's not even radical. It's not, it's not radical to believe that God desires to care for you each and every day. It's not radical to believe that God desires to heal your body every single time without exception. It sounds like a radical statement, a fanatical statement. It's not radical. It's not even slightly above that. There's no needle in heaven. Heaven's not going, wow. Can you... That's just so much. I can, we, they can't believe that much. It's too much. Heaven's not, not, not concerned when we believe that God desires to heal us every single time with it, without exception. Heaven is, is, is not, what are we going to do now? They're believing us. Uh, I mean, their meter of faith is way over here. What are we going to do? It's past, it's past 100. What are we going to do? There's no concern in heaven when you believe God. Uh, and, and, and yet in the earth, it just seems like we, uh, it's almost... <clears throat> Like, well, we can't believe God too much, right? I mean, we can, you know, 70, 80%, maybe, you know, that's making us a little uncomfortable at that point. And when we get that point, then we got to start tempering it. So, well, God doesn't want to heal you. Well, unless he doesn't, you know, because, you know, sometimes it's, it's better to be sick, amen? Uh, and he says he's, he's making us strong by, by the difficulties we go through. And yet, didn't we read this morning in Ephesians chapter 3 that he will strengthen you with all might in the inner man by what? By his spirit. He didn't say by the, by, the, by the circumstances you live through. You're not strengthened by the circumstances. You can learn, can you learn things from it? Sure you can, because when you go through a circumstance, you can learn, well, you know, Lord, I, I waited a little too long to, to use the name of Jesus. Or, you know, I should have rebuked the storm this way that, uh, in that case. Or I should have been sensitive to your spirit knowing that I could have just wrote it out without doing anything. You know, you can learn, there's a practical experience that you can gain by going through life's circumstances, no doubt. Amen. Uh, we learn how to wield the name of Jesus. We learn how to execute the name of Jesus. We learn uh, when to rebuke the storm and when to just ride it out. We, you, know, you can learn things, but, but the strength uh, of your life does not come from the experiences that you go through. Because if that's the case, then, then some of us are stuck because even though we've gone through things, we've not gone through nearly as bad of things as other people have. So that means that then our strength would be limited by us having to first experience difficult circumstances. But what if, but how does that even make any sense? Because if you really are walking in faith, 
then you can overcome every circumstance. So when would you learn? When would you, uh, at some point, you'd have to quit learning because you, you can now overcome everything. You've gone through everything. Now you've gotten the faith to be strengthened through those things. And so now you can't grow anymore because there's just not enough bad things happening, which is just really dumb doctrine. Amen. And so then people get to, they, they get the doctrine messed up. So, well, Lord, I need more bad things to happen. I need some more strength. So, you know, uh, can you help me lose a leg or something? Because I need, I need to get some, some strength and, and I can only get strength by, by maybe losing a leg, maybe a foot. How about a foot, Lord? Maybe a leg's too much, right? We don't want to be too, too, too uh, greedy here. No, I mean, then, then your ability to, to, to grow in the Lord is based upon your circumstances. So then God becomes a respecter of persons because uh, it's, uh, the only thing that's equal in the Lord is faith. Who can obtain faith? Anybody that wants it. Who, how do you obtain faith? By the word of God. That makes it e equal for everybody. If you can only grow in faith by the circumstances you live in, then if you live in a prosperous, blessed country like America, you're just not going to experience nearly the, the difficulties that somebody else outside of our country is going to experience. And so that means that you just can't, uh, you, you're not allowed to have as much faith as somebody else. But that just doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. I remember reading, reading these things when, I, when it says, therefore, it's by faith. Uh, and I thought, that, that makes it so, so easy. Uh, or make, there, there was by grace that it might be by faith is what it says there in the book of Romans. Uh, and I thought, well, if it's, if it's by faith, then we're, we all, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of our, our location, we all have the capacity to grow in faith. Yes. We're not limited by our circumstances. And some people will even tell you, well, that works in America, but that doesn't work everywhere else. Well, th that's just as bad, amen? Uh, because according to some people's doctrine, because you're not in America, you should be of great faith because you're going through great difficulties and you should be being strengthened because you're going through these great difficulties. And yet there's no Bible for it. There's no scriptural basis for that understanding other than how do we explain the storms and the winds and, and, and the floods? How do we explain that? It must be God's doing. No, it's not God's doing. We're here to advance the kingdom of heaven. That's our job. And, and we're supposed to grow by studying his word. That's what he said. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Can you learn through circumstances? You can learn through circumstances. Amen. And you should learn through circumstances. But you know, the only thing better than learning through your circumstances is learning through somebody else's circumstances. Amen. I'd much rather find out your mistakes and, the, and how you overcame them and go, note to self, don't do that. That's a much better way to learn than, than you, well, Lord, let that same bad thing happen to me. That, that's dumb. Amen. And so, and yet, it, it's all the time. I mean, it, it's constant in the church, uh, and yet it's such poor doctrine. And, and you know, in my heart, I, I, I think, well, Lord, I need to write a book about just the goodness of God and, and dispel these lies from the Word of God, right? Not just, you know, my ideas, but just when the, when, when the Lord said, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, you could just right there and knock out about half of, well, the, the Lord wants us to be hungry. Then why did he tell us to pray for the bread? That didn't make any sense, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, then that's in my simple mind. My simple mind goes, well, he's, when he says, give us daily bread, I assume then that he will give me every day my daily bread. Is there a circumstance when, when Jesus would tell us no if we do what he tells us to pray? I mean, why would he tell us to pray for that if the answer is going to be no? Then it's just messing with you, right? Hey, you want a dollar? Yeah, well, I'm not going to give it to you. Right? I mean, why, why would he do that? Yeah, you go up to give a kid a, a candy bar, and oh, thanks, and then you take it, snatch it back from them before they get it, right? Ha, 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 joke's on you, right? Uh, is the Lord doing those things? Is he messing with us? And yet, uh, how many times have you heard such things in the church that sometimes, sometimes you've got to go through difficulties to grow? That is not true. You can learn through difficulties, no doubt, amen? But I can learn from other, you know, uh, uh, I'm thankful <clears throat> when I first got saved, and not long after I got saved, it was probably... Well, it was probably four or five years after I got saved, I started reading some of Brother Hagin's materials and all the things that he went through, the difficulties in life and difficulties in, in ministry and how he learned to grow in faith and walk in love. Uh, and I remember even saying out loud, someday I'll be able to do this same thing. Someday I'll be able to walk in love like he's walking in love. And, and, I, and, I, and from his teaching, I was able to learn how to grow in love without having to experience the same difficulties that he's had. Now, I've had, I've had to go through difficulties. I've been through many difficulties. But uh, much of it I've learned just by listening to the teacher, listening to the minister, listening to what they said, how to grow in faith, 
so that when I got to that same circumstance that he went to, uh, in fact, someone asked me one time, uh, how, how was I able to hear some of the stories about things I went through uh, with my pastor in the church? They said, how did you over, how were you able to overcome that? And, 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 you know, I'm thinking, well, because I listened to Brother Hagin for hours. I read his books and, and understood how he did it through faith, through the word of God. Not because he was the man, but because he just went to the simple word of God. It says, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost giving it to you. Okay, well, then it's shed abroad in my heart too. Then I can walk in love. And, and, and it wasn't easy walking through that, but it was much easier than when he walked through it because he didn't know. He didn't have that advantage of reading somebody else's uh, teaching about how to overcome these things. So I, I was way ahead of him in the sense of being able to overcome these things than even he was the, who wrote the book because he had to learn it the hard way of not having the foundation of the scriptures knowing that he can really overcome in those situations. And I could just read his book, a little thin book in an hour and, and obtain what it took him sometimes decades to obtain uh, and be thankful for that, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so we're here in healing school. Of course, healing is always a great, uh, a great area where the church uh, tries as hard as we can to disbelieve God, amen? Well, you know, sometimes God just wants you to be sick. Sometimes God wants you to be sick to purify you. Don't you love that? Uh, to purify you. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> I mean, it just, it just like, what's wrong with you? And I'm thinking, have you ever met the Lord? If you met the Lord one time, he said, he said, if you being evil would do good things to your children, how much more will my Father in heaven do for you? And he was talking about in the context of even being a good parent, you know, that he'd give, give his, uh, his child bread uh, and not give him a stone. And he said, that's a good parent. He said, I'm much better than that. <clears throat> and yet, we'll say, well, sometimes God's going to be sick. How many good parents do you know, you know, more than anything, they get to the, to, the, to the parents' meeting, you know, more than anything, I hope my kid gets COVID. What about yours? Your, your kid, uh, oh, he's perfectly fine. Oh, man, I, you want me to pray with you to, for, for him to get sick? Because, you know, that'd be really good for your child to get sick. Who, who would do that? No good parent, right? And yet, we would just casually say that the good Father in heaven wants you to be sick sometimes. I mean, it's just, uh, it, to me, it's heresy. I mean, it's re it's really is, it really is heresy, amen, to, to, uh, because there's no scriptural for it. So you're adding to the scripture, you're changing the scripture, you're twisting the scripture into saying something it's not saying. Well, that's heresy, amen? That's the very definition of heresy. And so uh, Dr. T.J. McCausson is continuing here. He, he was, he's making a case, you know, why don't people believe these things? He said, well, it was in the Old Testament. God was a healer in the Old Testament. Uh, and, and then he got to the New Testament. God's a healer in the New Testament. And then he gets down to, uh, to the next section here. This is like reason, division one, reason one, part A, I think is what it, where it is. I know it's part A here. Uh, and it says the spirit of God healed people through Peter. So now he's going to, so he's, continue, he's just kind of going through the scriptures in a high level and saying, look, God's been the healer in these time frames. So when did he quit? Uh, and, and so he's making the case here. Let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 4. So he's just making the case of, well, let's just see what the word says. And, you know, if you don't know about a topic, uh, if I'm starting a topic that I don't know anything about, I'll go through and just read every verse that there is in the Bible about that topic. I'll, look, I'll search the, either Greek or Hebrew word or just the English word, and I'll just read every verse. Sometimes it's hundreds of verses. I'll just read them all just to kind of get a good overview of, well, Lord, what have you said about this thing? And that, that, that's a good way to do it. So if you know, well, Lord, let's, if, if you don't know that God's your healer, well, let's just start in the Old Covenant. Were you ever the healer there? Well, it seems like you were. Let's go to the New Covenant. Well, you were the healer there. Did you ever heal through anybody else in the New Covenant other than Jesus? Well, it seems like, and that's where we are right now. It says here in Acts chapter 4, uh, let's start in verse 9. It says, uh, if we, so this, this is in response to the man being healed at the gate beautiful, which occurred in Acts chapter 3. So now, now uh, they've been confronted. Uh, Peter and John have been confronted about this. Uh, and and Peter, of course, you know, you got love Peter there. He's, he says in verse 9, If we this day be examined of a good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified. You know, that, that just, they just like to stick that one little thing. You know, you crucified him, right? Uh, and of course, that just made him kind of upset there, right? Uh, but, 
He said, whom you crucified, whom great God raised from the dead, even by him did this man stand before you whole. And so Peter is making the case here uh, that it was, the name, it was Jesus. And of course, he comes down to verse 16 and says that uh, in his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. And so, <clears throat> so the point that, that uh, Dr. McCrossin is making, it, he's pulling out in verse 10 there, where it says, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. So he's telling, he's telling his accusers that it was by Jesus that made this man whole. And of course, they're, they're saying, well, you did that, Peter. It's like, I didn't do it. Jesus did it, right? He said, by him has this made whole. And he brings out uh, where the, the uh, phrase by him that the Greek says that it was done directly by him. So when, when Peter said by him, he literally meant by Jesus. Now, of course, uh, Peter's one uh, praying for the man, but really Peter didn't have much to do with it. He said it was done by Jesus, directly by him, not, not uh, us as his representative, but actually by him. And, and you kind of have to get that, uh, just meditate on that for a while. That when you're praying for somebody, you remember we, uh, we read in Mark 16 that, that, uh, that he confirm, confirms his word with signs followings and that he, he is working with us. Uh, and also 1 Corinthians 3, 9, that, that we are laborers together with him. And so when, we, when we're praying for somebody, uh, we're doing our part in being obedient to go lay hands on a sick or anoint him with oil or use a prayer cloth, whatever it is. And that's, that's our obedience in the process. But when the actual work is getting done, it's actually done by Jesus. Uh, and so he's not, uh, I mean, he, he is working through us in a sense, but you gotta, uh, if you can get that settled, that it's not really me doing it, it's him that's doing that. Uh, and, and so that, if you can get to that settled in your heart, see, that'll do away with all the pride and all the, well, look what I've done, look how important I am, look how, how much faith that I've got. Uh, it, it's really got essentially nothing to do with you because there's no inherent ability in humanity to, to cause somebody to be healed. And so all, all we are really are, uh, we, we are obedient vessels. Uh, but then when we go there, then Jesus said, okay, you're there, you're doing what I told you to do, now just kind of step aside and I'll actually do the healing. And so it's actually done uh, directly by him, and so not just us as our representatives. Uh, so, so it's a little bit slightly different mentality even maybe than we've thought about it before, even for me in thinking about that. Uh, and so it was done uh, directly by Jesus uh, and not as not us not us as his representatives. And so that's in chapter 4. Uh, and so let's see in chapter 10, in Acts 10.38. So uh, Acts 10.38 gives us a little bit better understanding of this, really, uh, because it's not, even, it's not even Jesus doing it. It's the whole Godhead, the whole Trinity. And so he says in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. So who did the anointing? God. So when it says God, specifically what part of God? It's God the Father, right? So God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And, and so when, when he calls him Jesus of Nazareth, he didn't call him Jesus uh, the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. He said Jesus of Nazareth. So, so he's emphasizing that when Jesus was on the earth, that he was a man. Amen. Jesus of Nazareth. Because he wasn't really from Nazareth. He was actually from heaven. Uh, ultimately, he was from heaven, uh, but physically, he was from Nazareth. And uh, he anointed him with what? With the Holy Spirit. So now you've got the whole Godhead here, right? Uh, the, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's always in that order. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's in those three things, uh, in, the, in those three, in that order of those three things. Amen? Uh, and so, <clears throat> so uh, when we operate, uh, Jesus intentionally did the things he did. Uh, uh, let's turn back to, uh, to John chapter 5 real quick. John chapter 5, if, if you can get John chapter 5 settled, of course, we, you know, we know that according to Philippians chapter 2 that, that Jesus said, I have laid aside all deity, right, to be here. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't count it as something to be grasped and something to be held on to. I, was will, I willingly gave up my position as, uh, as God to come into the earth to be born of a man. And, and I remember, uh, you know, I know a few more things now than I knew then, but I remember talking to an adult when I was, uh, I was probably 17 about this. 
And I was talking about the humanity of Jesus. And because of verses like this, right? Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And this, this adult got so mad at me. And they said, you're just, you're just trying to make God, trying to make Jesus a man. I'm thinking, well, I didn't make him a man. God made him a man. I mean, you know, I mean, well, why are we arguing about this? Uh, it, clearly, the Bible says that he's a man. Amen. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the man. Amen. He didn't need to anoint Jesus, the, the Messiah, because the Messiah is the anointing, right? The word Messiah literally means anointed one. And so you don't need to anoint the anointed one. He's already anointed. But you do need to anoint the one from Nazareth because uh, he's not anointed. Uh, and so let's see what Jesus said about this in, in John chapter 5. I just think this is, these are amazing verses myself. He says in verse 19, it says, Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do what? Nothing, Nothing of himself. Now, when he said the Son, who's he talking about? He's talking about himself, right? He's not talking about that guy's son. He's talking about the Son himself. He's talking about him, son. He said, I can do, uh, the Son can do nothing of himself. Uh, you just have to really pause at that statement. Because uh, so often we try to separate Jesus, that Jesus, when he was on the earth, had this ministry that was completely separate and, and different than anything that we've ever done, anything we will ever do. Uh, and so it was a unique, unique case. And that is not the correct way to think about it. Amen. The correct way to think about it is uh, that Jesus came here to show us how we are supposed to operate. So he had laid aside who he was as deity, came to become uh, Jesus of Nazareth, and, and then said, I can't do anything of myself. Is that a true statement? Well, well, no, he's God. He can do anything he wanted to. He chose to lay that aside. And so when Jesus said that he can do nothing of himself, is that exactly what he meant? That's exactly what he meant. So, because uh, then you can go back to Luke chapter 4 and see when he got baptized with the Holy Spirit in the River Jordan, right? He got baptized physically by, by John the Baptist, but then the Spirit of God came upon him, just like the Spirit of God came upon the, the people in the book of Acts. Uh, and when, uh, when that Spirit came upon him, then he could do things. No, 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 no references of Jesus ever doing anything in a supernatural way until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of himself, he could do nothing. So if he didn't have the Holy Spirit, what could Jesus do? Well, nothing. Are we taking anything away from Jesus by saying that, that without the Holy Spirit, he could do nothing? No, because that's exactly what he says, right? He said, I can of my own self do nothing. So just by myself, uh, there's nothing I can do. I can't heal I can't raise the dead. I can't walk on water. I can do nothing of myself. Is that a true statement? Well, did I write it? I didn't write it. So, so if I didn't write it, you're required to believe it. Amen. Well, I don't believe it. Well, that's not my problem, right? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't write it. And so, uh, but then he goes on down. And he talks about other things. And he repeats himself down in verse, in verse 30. In verse 30, he says, I can of my own self do nothing. I, just, I like that particular phrasing better just because... Uh, I just like it better, right? I can of my own self do nothing. Well, uh, is that a true statement? Who said it? Jesus said it. So if he can of himself do nothing, then that kind of puts him in the exact same boat as me and you. How, how many miracles can you do all by yourself? I mean, if someone came to you and said, uh, you remember in, 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 in the Old Testament there when, uh, when Naaman, uh, Naaman the Syrian had leprosy, and he had, he, uh, he had a slave girl with him from Israel. And she said, oh, would, would, my, would that my master would be in Israel where there's a prophet uh, who could heal him. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they, well, that, we don't know who the prophet is, but we know who the king is. So they sent a letter to the king. Said, hey, I'm sending my, my, my servant Naaman. Uh, he, came, he came to get healed. Please heal him. And the king just like, he rent his clothes, remember, right? When we talked about how, why is it there's always clothes ripping going on in the, in the Bible? I don't know, it's just a thing, right? I mean, you know, you know they, they didn't, they didn't uh, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It must have been really good to be in a tailor uh, in, in the nation of Israel, right? A lot of people ripping their clothes. Uh, and so, so the king, got, but the king got all, all nervous because he said, you're just doing this to start a war because you're, you're telling me to heal Naaman. Oh, I can't heal him. I can, I can, I can do nothing of myself, uh, and so you're asking me to do this, and, and I'm thinking that you're just setting me up so that when I tell you I can't do it, you're going to start a war. 
And so, so when, when the king rips his clothes, it, it spreads like wildfire. Did you hear the king rip his clothes? It got all the way down to Elisha. And Elisha said, hey, uh, king, uh, I don't know if he called him up on like the red phone or something, but uh, it, I heard you ripped your clothes. What's going on? He told him what's going on. He said, well, send him here. Send Naaman here and, and we'll take care of it. Uh, why? Well, Elisha was in the same boat as the king, but he was anointed. The king wasn't anointed to heal, but Elisha was as an anointed prophet of God. Uh, and so, so Elisha took care of it. But see, the king, he knew he could do nothing. Uh, and, and, you know, that, it's perfectly fine for us to, I can't on my own self do nothing. What did Peter and John tell the man at the gate beautiful? When the, he asked for an alm, what, the, what, the, what was Peter and John's response? Silver and gold have I what? I got nothing to help you with. In and of myself, I got nothing. But I do have uh, Jesus over here. You know, you're looking at me for help. I can't help you. But I do know someone that can help you. Uh, and so, so we, we need to have the same mindset that Jesus had. I can of my own self do nothing. Well, then according to Acts 10.38, uh, how, how did Jesus do those things? How God anointed Jesus with what? The Holy Ghost and power. So, so we need to put those two things together there about uh, where, what, Jesus, what Peter said in Acts chapter 4 about that it was by him that this man stand before you whole. Uh, and what Jesus said, I cannot my own self do nothing in Acts 10.38. And, we, and we, we come to the understanding that it's by the direction of, the, of Jesus as the head of the church through the power of the Holy Spirit that things get executed on the earth. And that's the, uh, it, our authority resides in what? The name of Jesus. And when we execute the name of Jesus, right? Because remember what Peter said, that it was his name through faith in his name that has made this man whole. So we believe in the authority of the name of Jesus. And when we execute that authority by the name of Jesus, right? And so it's his authority. It's not, uh, uh, it's not us. It's his authority. We execute that authority. And then the Spirit of God will come in and, and do the thing that that authority is commanding to be done. And so it's a team effort, right? It's, it's, uh, it's all of the above. And, and God the Father is the one who, who established all of this desire. Uh, Jesus, you go down and get all the authority back. And, and then Holy Spirit... When his name goes out, you back it up with your power. And that's the way it works, amen? And so our job is to go and take that name of Jesus, go out and do the work with the name of Jesus, uh, of course, by the direction of the will of the Father, right? So it always starts with the will of the Father. We go and, and command the name of Jesus, and the Spirit of God comes in behind that and, and executes uh, whatever that authority has gone out to do. And if we can get that settled in our heart that that's the way it works, so it always starts with what? The will of the Father, Amen. All the, it always starts, you've you got to know the will of the Father. And if you don't know the will of the Father, then nothing else works. So when you say, Lord, if it's your will, please heal this person, then what you're saying is, I don't really know if it's your will or not. Well, then nothing else downstream works. Because if you don't know the will of the Father, then you can't execute the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of God can't come behind that and execute that, that commandment. Uh, and so, but, but the church loves it. Anybody ever heard... Uh, Lord, if it's your will, Lord, if it's your will, you know, you got to say that more, more Southern accent, I guess, you know, Lord, if it's your will, uh, well, uh, it doesn't make any sense because uh, uh, how many scriptures have we read? I mean, we've been in healing school every Sunday since 2015. How many scriptures have we read that says it's, it's God's will to heal you? And by his stripes, you were what? Healed. And if he, if he took stripes upon himself to... Uh, at the cross, right, and, and through, through the whole trial uh, prior to the cross. If he did that, then, uh, and of course it was prophesied from Isaiah, right, mentioned in, in Matthew eight seventeen, and then uh, reiterated in, in 1 Peter 2, 24. If, if that's true, then, uh, the, and that healed us, then, then that should be our faith. It should, uh, there should never be a question of whether God wants us to heal or not because he paid for the healing. If he paid for the healing, then what circumstances would there be when, when we have sickness that would not be covered under the, the stripes of Jesus? Is there any scenario where, well, I mean, well, COVID-19 didn't exist when Jesus was actually beaten in, you know, in, in 33 AD or so. So since it occurred after the stripes of Jesus, then it's exempt from the, from the, the name of Jesus. Is that true? No, that doesn't make any sense, right? It's just the same thing as, as saying that, well, the blood of Jesus was great for the sins that were occurring at that moment, but since, he, the, since there's no more blood being shed, then the sin that I commit tomorrow is not covered under the blood of Jesus. Is that true? 
Well, nobody would come up with that doctrine, but that's what they do for the, for the doctrine of healing, that the blood is still in effect from the cross, but the stripes have expired since the cross. Well, that's just that's a bad doctrine, amen? And, and again, the reason for this doctrine oftentimes is man's feeble attempt to explain why these things occur. They occur because there's sin in the world. And it's either directly by you for sin, but because there, somebody has sinned before, that's why that germ over there exists. It may not be because of you, but somebody sinned and caused creation to be twisted and for the germs to, to try to harm humanity. There was nothing in creation that was, that was designed to harm humanity before the fall. And after the fall, creation had been twisted and, 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 and corrupted to the point that it tries to kill humanity because the devil hates humanity. And, he, and through, his, uh, through his minions, he has somehow corrupted uh, even the very creation that God has put together. And, now, uh, and that's why God is, is going to give us a new, a new creation, right? A new, a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, and so when it says that Jesus, uh, all the examples where we see Jesus healing people, how did he do it? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? He didn't do it in his own deity. He didn't do it because he was God. He did it as Jesus of Nazareth, anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's what Acts 10.38 says, right? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing. So he didn't heal outside the will of God and outside the power of the Holy Spirit. It took all three it took uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to heal every single person. That's why when Jesus went to, went to uh, in, in John chapter 5, when he went to the pool of Bethesda, and he got the man there that has been there for, for many years, uh, well, how many people in that pool did he heal? Just one. And yet it says there was a multitude that was there, and yet only one, one man was healed. Well, why? It starts with the will of the Father. He walks in. Father says, you go to the pool of Bethesda. He gets to the pool of Bethesda, and the father says, you go find that man, or that man right there. Not that man, that man over there. You go find that man. Well, what about that man? Just step over him, right? You step over that man, and you get to the other man that, that the will of the father says to go heal. So it wasn't the will of the father not to heal those. It was the will of the father to heal all of them. If they'd come to Jesus, he would have healed every one of them. Any examples when anybody ever came to Jesus and left without healing? Not a single example. So Jesus was, was the expression of the will of the father, and so what that tells us is there is a sovereign will of God that he will do things on his own whenever he feels like it. Uh, and then there is the faith of God that will always respond anytime we come to him. Uh, and so the sovereignty of God, he may pick one out of a thousand just go without any faith. Remember, remember when Jesus said, what was the question that Jesus asked the man at the pool of Bethesda? Will you be healed, right? Uh, and and, and, and the, what did the man respond? Did he say, yes, absolutely. No, he started going, it's that guy's fault. Nobody, you know, I've got no man to put me in the water. So he blamed, he blamed the guy he's been sitting there with for years. It's that guy's fault over there. And the guy's like, what do you mean? Well, don't put your finger at me. I didn't do anything. And so he's blaming everybody else for his failing of getting healed. It's, I have no man, Lord. <clears throat> and of course, when I read that, I said, well, that's not wasn't the question. That was not the question that Jesus asked. The question was, will you be healed? So what was Jesus doing? He was, he was trying to find out where is his faith. And, that, and when you're dealing with anybody in the area of healing, that's always a good place to start. Where's your faith? Do you believe when I lay hands on you that you'll be healed? Now, see, if, if the man had said, well, there's no way I can be healed. Doesn't matter if you lay hands on me does, uh, or not, I'm never going to get healed. Well, now, now he's not just in, in, in doubt, he's in unbelief. And in a case like that, there's really nothing you can do. You remember in, uh, in Mark chapter 6, when, when he was at his own hometown, it says he could there do no mighty works, and he marveled at what? Their unbelief. So your unbelief, he didn't say he marveled at their doubt. He said he marveled at their unbelief. Unbelief is a decision. God will not heal me. God does not heal. That, that's a decision that you've made. If doubt is, yeah, I mean, it seems like he does sometimes, but then I don't know, sometimes he doesn't. I don't know why. And is he going to heal you? I don't know. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. You know, that's, that's doubt. Still not very good because, because, I mean, James says if you doubt, you're still not going to receive anything from the Lord. But it is easier to fix doubt than it is to fix unbelief. Unbelief is, is nope, God does not heal. And there's a lot of people in the church today, if you ask him if God heals, it'll be strong unbelief. Nope, he does not. It, it ended with the last apostle. You know, they, they got no Bible for that. 
Uh, and so, so uh, when Jesus does these things, uh, it's always by the will of the Father first. So uh, when he went to the man of the pool of Bethesda, that man had no faith. So God did sovereignly heal him, and, and we're thankful for that because it shows us that there is a merciful God that sometimes without us having any faith, he'll move on our behalf. Amen? And we appreciate that, and we're thankful for that. That is not, to me, I don't like that deal. I don't like the deal where, where uh, I have to wait for the stirring of the waters, because that's essentially the same, same deal, right? The stirring of the waters was essentially the sovereignty of God. The waters get stirred. When do they get stirred? We don't know, because if you knew when they were going to happen, you'd just suddenly edge of the, on the thing and just roll in. Amen? Uh, and so you didn't know, so... Uh, every time he tried, somebody would beat him to it. Well, if you knew exactly it was going to be 3 o'clock tomorrow, well, you just either sit in the pool itself or just right on the edge and fall, fall in. So they didn't know. It was a sovereign move. So when the, when the Lord moves sovereignly, you, don't, you can't know when he's going to do that. He may do it, and he may not even do it, because how many people did he pass by to get to the one man? See, that's the sovereign will of God. Amen? But the other aspect of the will of God is the faith of the will of God. So how many people that came to Jesus said, uh, uh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me, and left healed? Every one of them. So faith can determine your outcome every single time. Amen? Uh, the sovereignty of God, you don't know. You don't know if, if you're going to get it today or not get it today. But the faith of God is guaranteed every single time. Every person that came to Jesus uh, in faith, uh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me left healed. Everyone, no, no exceptions. So to me, that, that's a good contrast to understand how it works. Everything starts with the will of the Father. What's the will of the Father for every single human being? To be healed. Every single one. So uh, how many uh, of those every single human beings that are sick, if they operated in faith, how many would leave well? Every one of them. Amen? So that's a, that's a, great, uh, a, a great way to look at the, the will of God. The will of God is for everybody. But what's the will of God? Uh, how often is the will of God for him to just sovereignly go down and heal somebody without their, without their request or their having faith? One in a hundred? One in a thousand? One in a million? I don't know what the number is. You don't know. I mean, there's some, right? The man of the pool of Bethesda, good example. He had no faith, and yet God chose to heal him. We're thankful for that, amen? And you ever gotten uh, blessings of God uh, through his sovereign, through sovereignty? I mean, it seems like when you got saved, especially, you could pray for a pink elephant and you wanted to show up in the mail the next day. But after you grew a little bit and the Lord expected you to walk in faith, you know, uh, I want a pink elephant. The Lord's like, there ain't no pink elephants in heaven. You know, grow up. Pray, pray correctly, amen? <clears throat> and, and so, you know, oftentimes what happens is the Lord in his mercy will bless people of small faith when they're young in the Lord. And, and it seems like they can almost believe God for anything. But oftentimes, they're not really believing God. It's just his mercy. You know, when, when your child is two years old, uh, you don't go, hey, uh, deadbeat, get off, get off the crib there and get to work, right? You need to earn your own keep. Nobody does that, right? I mean, my, my, my grandson's just over a year old. I'm like, hey, you know, get to work. I mean, it's just take, take, take. All you do is take, right? <laughs> and, and you're not earning it. You're not earning your own keep. Nothing, right? And... and uh, but that when, when, he's, when he's 31 years old and he's still in a diaper and I've got to feed him a bottle, we've got a problem, right? Uh, and so, you know, you, you expect more as, as you grow. Well, the Lord does expect you to grow. Uh, and, and oftentimes Christians prefer to remain as children of the Lord in the sense of being immature because, because Jesus said, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. And so they think, well, then I'm going to, I'm going to, never obtain any faith so that nothing is ever expected of me. But the thing that you don't appreciate is, is God's not just looking at, at uh, where you actually are. He's also looking at where you should be. And if you sit in a church, a faith church, for years and you don't grow in the Lord, I, I can guarantee you, uh, you're, you will struggle with obtaining the blessings of heaven. You know, back in the, in the healing revival days uh, from 1947 to 1958, uh, the, the ministers, uh, they would get together and they would chit-chat, and they said, uh, we're never so glad as when we get through praying for all the Pentecostals because they just never got healed. 
We, we love when the Baptists come, when the Methodists come, when the Episcopalians come. We love when they come because they're ready to be healed. Because they had never heard the, the healing promises until they showed up in the service. Like, wow, we'll take, we'll take some of that. But the Pentecostals, they're like, well, you just never know. We know God can. We just don't know if he will. And that was beat into them for, for decades. And nearly, you know, the Pentecostal church was supposed to be the carriers of, of the power of God, the faith of God, the miracles of God. And we nearly uh, snuffed out that power by measuring your skirt length and, and asking you how long your hair was and, and, and seeing how much makeup you had on. And nearly snuffed out the power of God in the church. Uh, and, and so the Lord expected more out of the Pentecostals because they were supposed to be the people who heard faith. And they did hear faith. But it was always mixed in with, with just enough unbelief to keep it, you know, to keep it stable. You don't want to be, you know, just too much on fire, right? You have to throw a little bit of doubt and unbelief there to make sure that people weren't just zealous for the Lord. And so, so the will of the Father, amen, and he's got his sovereign will, which we appreciate, but it, sometimes it can be appear, appear to be rare, and oftentimes it is rare. We've got the will of God in the area of faith, always works, no exceptions, amen? And so we should desire to be over here in the will of God in the area of faith than over here in the will of God in the area of the sovereignty of God. Because you just don't know over there. Amen? You're over here, guaranteed 100% time, no exceptions. Amen? And then when you believe God, see, then Jesus will come down and execute what you're believing, and he'll come down and go, okay, oh, you wanted healing? Yeah, no problem. Uh, uh, Spirit of God, go over there and, and fix that leg, fix that arm, whatever. You, know, you go and do that. So it's by the direction of the Holy Spirit, uh, direction by the head of the church, to the Holy Spirit who, who does the actual power and execution. And if you can understand that, see, that's, the, that's how God works. Why he said it that way? I don't know. Just the way he, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it, and it takes all three of them to get healed. And so, and it's by, it's directly by the Lord Jesus. When you execute the name of Jesus, Jesus will be there. He said, okay, uh, let me check out and see what you're asking for. Yep, yep, yeah, sounds good. All right, uh, you're approved. And so you, uh, Holy Spirit, go ahead and do it. Uh, and as long as you're in faith, the approval is, is, all, is every single time. Amen. The only exceptions is when uh, you don't really believe. Like the, like the seven sons of Siva there in Acts 14. Now they were like, you know, uh, we, we're praying for you. You know, be, be gone uh, by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Well, they didn't have faith. You know, they're just saying the words. Amen. Uh, you ever heard somebody say uh, in Jesus name and it sounds just as fake as, as could be? And so they ain't got no more faith in that than, than, than I'm the man on the moon. Amen. So it's not the mechanical saying of the word, the name of Jesus. Remember what Peter said? Through his faith by what? Uh, through his name, through faith in his name has made this man whole. So it's not just saying the name of Jesus. It's having the faith in the name of Jesus that, that gets the job done. And so it's not hard, uh, but you have to do your part of developing the faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, and so... So when, when Peter did it, uh, in fact, uh, he gives another example in Acts chapter 9. Let's go over to Acts chapter 9 and look at the second example here. In, in Acts chapter 9, this is, uh, uh, let's start in verse 32. And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all the quarters, he came down also to the saints, which dwell, dwell at, at Lydda. Uh, and there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which uh, had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. So palsy is like a creeping paralysis. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. So Peter had the revelation that it's, it's Jesus that, that's it, it's directly by him, not just Peter as his representative. It's Jesus Christ makes you whole. Uh, and so he brings out a good point there, right? Arise and make thy bed. Uh, and he arose immediately. Uh, and so it, it is uh, while we're on the earth in this, in this time frame, right? Uh, all things are under the authority of Jesus. Not under the authority of the Holy Spirit. It's under the authority of Jesus. So he's the one. Uh, and if you go into, into 1 Corinthians, it talks about how everything has been placed under Jesus except for the one who placed everything under Jesus, which then is the Father, right? So uh, the Father placed everything under Jesus, which would include the Holy Spirit. Amen. So everything is under the authority of Jesus. So when we go and say, just like Peter said, uh, Aeneas, uh, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Uh, and so he understands that it's the head of the church that is the one who, who carries the authority 
and, and he is the one doing it directly. And then Jesus will come down and, and see Aeneas, Aeneas. In fact, you know, when Peter prays this, then that's what sets everything in motion. Peter uh, commanded this man to be healed, right? And he's declaring that he's healed by Jesus Christ. And then Jesus will come down, uh, and, and we don't see him, right? Uh, but he'll come down and he'll confirm that, that what, Jesus, what uh, Peter is, is requesting is valid. And it's not hard to be, for it to be valid. It's just got to be based upon the word of God and your faith. Uh, and then he'll, he'll command the spirit of God. Now you go and, and execute that healing. Whatever in this case, uh, you go remove that palsy. Whatever you've got to fix nerves or fix the spinal cord or whatever you've got to fix, you go ahead and fix that Holy Spirit. And, and the power of the Holy Spirit will go in and correct whatever that is. Remove sickness, uh, repair damaged nerves, repair missing uh, muscles or whatever it is. The Holy Spirit, it, it, he's the one who's got the power. Amen. Jesus got the authority. The Spirit of God has got the power. Uh, and, and it's directly, Jesus doing it directly. So our job is simply to, to be the extension of Jesus and to go out and, and knowing the will of the Father, we go into a situation and we go, well, according to, to uh, the will of the Father, you can be healed. Now, how do you know the will of the Father? Well, the Spirit of God will, will reveal to you the will of the Father. Amen? Uh, and uh, in general, uh, unless the Spirit of God says otherwise, any sickness, the church has a right to pray for them by laying on of hands. He already gave that to us in Mark 16, right? The believers shall lay hands on the sick and they will what? So what's the will of the Father? They recover, right? And so the will of the Father is you go and you lay hands on them and they'll recover. So you go knowing that it's the will of the Father when you go to the sick person over there. Now, if the sick person negates your faith, well, nothing will happen when you lay hands on me. Well, then I would walk away, right? Uh, well, will you be healed when I lay hands on you? Well, I hope so. Well, then you walk away, right? Will you be healed when I lay hands on you? I doubt it. Well, you walk away. Will you, will you, will you be healed when I lay hands on you? Well, uh, I can't believe God would ever do anything for me. Well, then you walk away. You come back maybe in a month when they, when they get faith. Amen? Because uh, there's plenty of people who don't believe that. Now, if they say, you know, uh, uh, well, according to your word, I guess so, right? So you got to, sometimes you got to find that out, but um, you always listen to the Spirit of God in every situation, even when we have the Word of God like that. Now for me, you know, if I'm sick, I know the will of the Father for me to be well. I don't have to be told that the will of the Father, I already know the will of the Father. And if there's any hindrance, the Lord can show that to me. And I, sometimes I'll check if, if I'm having a hard time getting over something, I'll check, well, Lord, is there any hindrance on my part? And if there's not, well, then, then I'm the healed of God. If there is, I deal with that first, and then I'm the healed of God. Amen? Uh, and so, so in, in both of these cases, both uh, uh, there with the man at the, uh, at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3, which is when it occurred, but then Peter was, was uh, uh, examined in Acts chapter 4, and then Aeneas here in, in Acts chapter 9, uh, Peter helps us to understand that it's Jesus himself who's doing the healing. Amen? And all we're doing is really releasing the power of God for this to occur by, by, uh, by the direction of the head of the church, right? Is this us just taking a position that doesn't belong to us? No, Jesus said, go into all the world and do these things. So we're doing these things. We're praying for the sick. We're believing God for healing by the direction of the, of the head of the church. Uh, and so it's not people, it's prideful. You expect people to get healed. It's not prideful. It's obedience. We're obeying what the master told us to do. If the head of the church told us to go and do these things and we're actually not doing these things, then we're actually in rebellion. Well, I don't believe in laying, on hand, laying hands on the sick. Well, then you're, you're a rebellious Christian because the master, the head of the church, told us to do these things. And if you, don't, if you choose not to believe it, then you're saying either Jesus is wrong in commanding us to do that or you just have no faith. Neither one is a very good position to be in, Amen. And when the church says, I don't believe in healing, well, then you don't believe that the master told us to do these things. You don't believe in Mark chapter 16. You don't believe in Acts 1.8. You don't believe in, in 1 Peter 2.24. You don't believe in Matthew 8.17. You don't believe in Exodus 15.26. You don't believe in uh, Psalm 107.20. Uh, you don't believe in Isaiah 53.3 and 4. I mean, that seems like pretty tough, you know. If somebody started telling me, I don't believe all those things, I'd be, after about the fifth or sixth one, I'd be like, you know, please excuse me, I've got to go cry for a minute. And they come back, amen. Uh, and so... Now, I don't want to be accused of the master, uh, the head of the church, that I don't believe in him. Amen? You know, the thing is, when we stand before the Lord Jesus, he's not going to ask us, did we go to, 
you know, to Dayton and pray for somebody. Did we go to the hospital, pray for somebody? He's going to just ask us, did you do what I told you to do? Which would include all those things, but, uh, you know, when he says, did you pray for the sick? Well, Lord, we didn't believe in healing. And he'll say, put up the projector. Uh, you know, Jared will be there, right? Like he'll, Jared, you know, pull up, you know, First uh, Peter 2.24. What's that say right there, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know if Jared will be running the projector in heaven, but... Uh, but if he is, that's what he would tell him, right? Pull up First Peter two twenty four, right? And see, you know, it's still not up there yet. But uh, and so it's up there now, right? Uh, and so uh, what's that say? Uh, well, Lord, you know, well, we don't believe in in your stripes. I can't imagine somebody saying that, right? But but you know, he's going to ask you, did you do what I told you to do? Well, Lord, we don't believe it that way. And Jesus would be like, well, I do. <laughs> I mean, I paid a great price for that to occur, amen? For us to, to, to live anything less than, than the fullness of God's blessing and healing is really telling the Lord that he didn't do enough for us. Lord, you need to, to, to get a few more stripes. You're like one stripe shy of a full load. Uh, and, and of course, he'd be like, uh, I think it's on your side that you're not got a full load. The elevator doesn't go all the way to the top, amen? Uh, and so did, did Jesus heal people through Peter? Right? And really, it w- was it directly by Jesus? It was, amen? Because uh, that's what he says. Even by him does this man stand here before you whole. By Jesus, directly, amen? And so you have to meditate on that. I've been meditating on that for a while there because it's just, uh, you know, we've been taught that we're representative of Jesus, which we are. We're ambassador of Christ, which we are. Uh, but it's, it's a slightly different mentality that I go and I'm carrying the will of the Father, the authority of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere I go. And we work together in conjunction, right? We are, we are laborers together with him. Uh, now, I didn't write that. Jesus wrote that, right, uh, through, through the hands of the apostles. Uh, and so that's, we need to have that mentality that, that, that all, all I'm doing is just giving the opportunity for the Lord to do what he said he would do. And that's really all I'm doing is making that, uh, making that opportunity available for the Lord. And, of course, it's all wrapped up in his will and his plan and power. Uh, and so can we know the will of God in every circumstance? We can, amen? And in the area of healing, the general uh, principle is it's always God's will to heal uh, unless there's a hindrance in that person's life. And if there is, then you deal with that hindrance if it's possible. Uh, but a lot of people, there's no hindrance. They're just good Christians trying to get by. They don't know they can be healed. Uh, and especially, can, can the world know they can be healed? Well, the world doesn't know. And so even then, uh, how, many, how many unsaved people did Jesus heal? How many people that Jesus healed were unsaved? Let me say it that way. All of them. Everyone that Jesus healed in the Gospels was unsaved. So is it the will of God to heal unsaved people? He, he, every single person he healed was unsaved. Amen? Uh, and so uh, you don't have to wonder, Lord, is it your will to heal this unsaved person? Everyone he healed was unsaved. Amen? And if they just give you a, a foot in the door, go in there, heal them. Amen? Go through the power of God, through the will of God, through the, through the direction of the Holy Spirit, through the direction of the, of the head of the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can go out and do those things. Amen? Amen. And so, so that was Peter. We'll look at uh, Paul next week uh, and see what he said about those things as well. So he's making the case. He's just going through the whole scriptures and looking at these things. Did God work through this person? Did God work through the Old Testament? Did God work through the New Testament? How, how was healing actually executed? It's always executed directly by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, by the will of God. And that gets the whole Godhead involved in everything. You think about that. Every time somebody gets healed, the entire Godhead moves on their behalf. That's, that's impressive, amen? Uh, the whole Trinity, not just Jesus, because, you know, I mean, you, well, it's got to be Jesus because he loves us, right? But it, no, it's, it's all of God the Father, God the, Holy, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit moves on everybody's behalf that gets healed. Uh, and, and that should tell you how much God loves you. Amen? Uh, and if you know God loves you, then you know God wants you to be healed. The church, it should be easy for the church to get healed. Amen? Then we go out in the, the sovereign will of God, we'll go out and heal all, this, all, this, all the uh, unsaved people. Amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you that it, it is Jesus that does the healing, Father. And all we do as a church, Father, is give you the opportunity to show your goodness and mercy to the, whole, to the whole world, Father, including the church. And so, Father, we thank you that we can uh, directly have faith in you, but the world needs to have the church to show up. They have no faith. They have no knowledge of you. But we do, Father, and we are carriers of your word. 
We are carriers of the faith of God. And so, Father, when we go out and, and lay hands on the sick, we are just giving you the opportunity to show how good and kind and merciful you are to the whole world. And so we thank you for that, Father. And we give you all the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. Uh, and uh, just that statement alone, if God is good, that's half the battle, knowing God will heal you. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And then we'll um, uh, actually next, see, next Sunday, uh, we will not have healing school. So we'll have Sunday morning service, but no healing school next Sunday. So we'll pick, it, pick this back up in a couple weeks uh, from today. So that'll be October, whatever the date is, right? October the 15th. Uh, today's 8th, right? Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, so October the 15th, we'll not have healing school. So all the folks watching uh, the service today, are we still on? Are we still live? Yeah. So all the folks, we, we won't have a live service next Sunday. Amen. All right. We'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And because um, uh, we're actually going to be going out of town. Um, and um, so we, we'll not have uh, next uh, Sunday afternoon, no healing school. And a week from this Wednesday, uh, we'll have no service there. So. But we'll be back, so uh, we're going to go off uh, and um, take some time off with the family and um, go see some sights there. So, all right, we'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, and we'll see you soon.